Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to be with you today. So blessed and honored to be here again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you are doing well today on this amazing, amazing day. I pray the blessings of the Lord be over you today. I pray God's goodness, his mercy upon you. And uh, so we'll give some some opportunities for folks to jump in uh, as we uh, come and, and as we get prepared for this uh, amazing podcast with my good friend, Jamie Winship. Uh, who will be jumping on. So you do not want to miss this. Just a couple of things that I want to be sharing with you as you are jumping on and as you are part of this uh, this amazing podcast. It's, it's going to be so phenomenal. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this amazing opportunity. So a couple of things I just want to share with you. Number one is, is that is that we have City Awakening. I'm telling you, if you have not been to City Awakening, this would be our sixth year for doing City Awakening Conference. And I promise you, I promise you, your life is not going to be the same. We added another day on. So it starts Thursday, October 6th through the 8th. I believe that is October 6th through the 8th. Um, it says, uh, well, this is a wrong date. So it's actually October 6th through the 8th. And so, so just disregard that. But I want to tell you, um, you can go register at www.cityawakeningpdx.com. Again, that is www.cityawakeningpdx.com. And I'm telling you, it is going to be an amazing conference. And we've got some incredible leaders, some incredible friends jumping on uh, and being a part of City Awakening. So once again, October 6th through the 8th at Crestview in Oregon. So you do not want to miss this exciting time um, from uh, uh, the, what, what's going to take place. I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing time. So cityawakeningpdx.com, go register, get your tickets there, and you do not want to miss that uh, event. And so I want to just bless you in that area. Um, the other thing I want to encourage you, if you are a business uh, owner, entrepreneur, uh, if you are an aspiring entrepreneur, if you've gotten a word of encouragement, we want you to uh, be part of what we're doing called Catalyst Entrepreneur Cohort. I'll tell you more about that, um, but uh, it is uh, super, super exciting. So welcome, welcome again. And uh, man, I'm super excited for today's podcast. Well, I'm going to bring my good friend Jamie Winship up, and uh, I'll just tell you about Jamie is an incredible, incredible world changer. He's definitely changed for my life um, um, for what I'm doing in the nations uh, and, and just everything I've got going. Um, this man has definitely my world um, everywhere. I feel like I'm talking about identity um, more than everything and anything. And so, um, so I'm really excited about that for him. So I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Jamie Winship. And so Jamie, hey, my friend. So hey. good to see you. How you doing, Clyde? Good to I'm see doing you. well, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Good, man. I'm super excited to be with you today. And and uh, and I, I'm just excited for our time together. Uh, and um, this idea, um, embracing transition, we, we've come out of this huge uh, pandemic and still feel like coming out. And I've known multiple conversations I've had with people um, um, around the country on phone calls is they feel this transition and how to embrace transition in this new season. And so I thought, you know what, let's uh, get my buddy, my mentor, my friend on to talk about transition and really what transition, this idea, which I was just in Florida this past week and where this flew home this uh, on Tuesday and the transition on really talking about transition 
how do you really move to transition when we keep talking about identity and my identity is not giving way to the transition I'm feeling and being overwhelmed. So I, I was letting folks know that, you know, I got my good friend, Jamie, the expert on coming and talking about that. And, and so, man, I, I'm just going to quiet and be quiet and, and just uh, let you take it away. I know you've been uh, talking about, um, you know, being stuck and unstuck and, 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 and all that. So that just kind of coincides with people being stuck in, you know, transition and fear of transition. So that's been quite a bit, even high schoolers and college students have been in that place. So, uh, man, so let, be quiet and, and let you, let you roll, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, I, it's funny because I just <clears throat> was in a meeting um, and with, uh, with public school officials. And wow. We, and the question was that we were talking about was about coming out of COVID and all the COVID protocols, because the schools, at least where I am, are pretty much back to normal. And I just had some friends here from the UK and um, they were telling me that there's no more um, COVID testing going in and, in and out of the UK, which I didn't know that was over. So so it was so I was with this group and I, I was just asking these school officials, like, what were their what was kind of their biggest takeaway from two years of COVID in the public school? And I, cause I wanted to talk to them about transition. How do you, what's the transition now that this is over? What do we do with what we've learned? And um, so I, I went around the room and asked them what, what did they learn was important during COVID that they may not have known before. And all of them, all of them, every one of them said in some form or fashion, that what they learned about during COVID or what they discovered is the value of human relationship. Wow. How valuable. Wow. And they use different words for connection, social interaction, family, but all of them said something about under, understanding the value of, of connection. And uh, which, which I thought was cool. You know, that's interesting because even for someone, an introvert like myself, after a while, there's a difference between being alone and being isolated. Those are, those are different things or, or taking time away versus being separate from something yeah. separated and isolated are not good things. Um, and so, uh, cause I can be a by myself and still very connected to my community, my family, you know, whatever that is. So, so we were talking about that. Okay. So, so, connections, the most important thing that we have discovered we need um, during this time of forced or, or, or chosen separation and isolation. So then I was asking him, well, in, in, I did this, we just did a little thing on the history of civilization, which you and I have talked about before. Yes. Now all civilizations form by the coming together of what's called creative minorities. Um, and so minority doesn't mean ethnicity or anything. It just means a small number. So number, small, numbers of, of small groups coming together creatively form a culture and they build civilization. There's no civilization that was ever formed that wasn't formed by the gathering together of creative minorities. It's kind of like if you're going to form a human body in, in, in the mother's womb, all the parts have to come together. They have to like be connected and grow together. 
and no part is any less important than any other part. You need all the parts coming together. And that's how civilizations form the same way humans form. And so the key to it is the relationship, the valued relationship between all the parts, you know, and yes. in the New Testament, Paul talking about the body and the hand and the eye, and they're all important. One's not better and one shouldn't seek to be the other and that kind of thing. So it's all about connection. So they, I was just saying, so we would agree then together, the room is all different, I don't know, backgrounds and, and um, ethnicities, male and female in the room. And I said, but we would all come together and agree that connectedness is key. Um, and if a part is broken away, reconciliation would be the best practice possible. And they all agreed. And so then my next question was, why then do we live in a culture that honors separation? Wow, that's so good. Yeah. And um, because in so I said, so so what COVID did that was good, that was helpful, actually, was it, you know, how we all, everything in the universe moves from order to disorder to reorder. And even like coming up on this weekend, you know, which for many people is Holy Week. It's the idea of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's order that goes yep. into absolute disorder and death, which comes up in reorder and good for all. Right. So so the disciples didn't want the disorder of the death of Jesus. They fought it. They didn't want it. Um, the the Pharisees and the Romans didn't want the disorder that Jesus was producing by walking around and 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 um, deconstructing their power sources. So there was all this disorder that was happening. The Romans and the and the Jewish leaders thought they could stop it by killing Jesus. The the disciples thought that everything would fall apart if jesus was killed so they were all trying to avoid disorder but the disorder of the death of jesus is what led to the reordering of all of humanity right yes. the, tra the transformation the 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 stopping the descent into non-being which is what we're heading to with separation and scarcity and all that Jesus's death stopped it and gave us a way to go back into reconciliation and connectedness. So all that to say was interesting. I kept asking, why then is our culture or our worldview committed to honoring separation practices when we, what we all learned from COVID is that separation is not a good thing? That's right. That's right. They kind of just like silenced the room because they thought, they didn't know how we were committed to. What does that mean? We as a culture are committed to separation. Um, and so that that working through that topic was my question was, OK, we've had a disorder. We have two options coming out of the disorder. We can either reorder to the new and the better or we'll go. We'll try and go back to the old order, which is the worst thing we could do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And a lot of us just want to go back to the way it used to be. That's what we that's want. exactly right. The most dangerous thinking that you could have is to want to go back to the way it was. And that's the conversation that people when you get in a conversation with them is I just want to go back to the normal. I just want to go back to the really the old way of doing things, realizing that that is old. That's it will never come again. You have to embrace what's ahead. And That's the right. fear is embracing 
the season or uncertainty. And I know you and I had the conversation on hearing God's voice in uncertain times, and but embracing this uncertainty. Uh, and I don't know what to do. That's that is the common thing that I hear all the time is I don't know what to do. Job loss, businesses, you know, you know, you know, failing. There's infl- um, in, uh, inflation going on, and yeah. this does not feel good. Right. Yeah. And and again, it's the it's the it's the how much we just dislike uncertainty. Uh, right. We we humans fear uncertainty. We we we're afraid of not being in control of everything and knowing where things are going. What what's so uh, what's ironic about that fear is the fear, the fear of the lack of certainty um, is there's never been certainty. (laughs) It's never (laughs) ever. And so people are afraid we're going to lose the thing that has never existed. That's the irony of that's how that's how lies work. You're afraid you're afraid of a truth that has never been true. Mm. And that's right. We want to get back to where we were certain. Well, we were not certain before this happened, right? Correct. We just, there were just other things we were freaked out about, and this became a bigger freak out. And now that COVID's kind of over, now we're freaked out about the economy, right? So it's just right. we keep moving on to the next freak out. And uh, when when what we should be looking for is how do we stay at peace knowing there's never any certainty. Like that's the question. Not how do we find certainty or how do we gain certainty, but how do we find peace in uncertainty? And I think this is what the model of Jesus, of course, is. What do you do in a hurricane? You take a nap, you know, from the story of Jesus and the hurricane asleep on the boat. <laughs> right. saying, this is what you do in mystery and uncertainty. You rest. You mm-hmm. rest. You rest, you rest, because the, the circumstances are going to go up and down. We know that. We we can read all of human history, and there's n- no one's ever known when the volcano is going to explode or the economy is going to bottom out or you know some world leader is going to decide they're going to invade your country. You know we don't know when these things are going to happen, and even when we know they're coming, there isn't a lot we can do about them. It doesn't seem yeah. to. Yeah. And it's this thing is, how do we stay at peace uh, right. uh, is really the question on everyone's mind. Um, and this word, Jamie, you hit around the head is working from a place of rest, being at a place. Of, what does that mean in the practical? Because maybe you can do this uh, and we can you know tie it up in this way down as we continue to dive into this is, we have some new listeners and new people who really under, don't understand, okay, I know I'm seated with Christ, but what is identity and how does identity work in my life and my culture? Because I still have fear and I don't know what, you know, resting means and um, and this uncertainty. I get what you're saying, but I just still don't understand because hell's breaking loose all around me and people are still getting sick and I'm losing my job, my house, and all of that is still coming. This keeps going upward versus being here. Right. Yeah. So, well, you know, and then again, we've talked about this, and I don't think we can yeah. ever talk about this enough because it's an everyday kind of moment by moment occurrence um, is is the situations that we find ourselves in. 
they produce in us fear, right? They produce mm-hmm. fear in us. So what, what, like I, like, you know, I was just, I filled up my car today and, with gas and it's like, it's, it's scary how much it costs since a month ago to fill up a car with gas. And I just said to the Lord, it's like, God, I, I mean, like I'm able to do this this week, but I pray for not only next week, but not next week, the prices go down, but like that I would, that I'd be at rest next week. But I pray, especially for people that already can't afford this. Like it's yes. prohibitive to them. They can't, this is too much money. Um, you know, they can't afford it. So the, I think the idea the, 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 in all these situations, it produces anxiety and fear and, and the value of it happening. If there's, you know, a value is that it allows me to say, okay, what actually am I afraid of? What am I afraid? What am I afraid of? And this is what, this is what, this is how you go from order to disorder, to reorder the fear, the, the, whatever the incident is that produces the fear, that's the disorder. We need the disorder because it triggers the fear that's there, but we don't know it's there because we think everything's fine. It's right. all fine. And so the disorder makes us, oh, yeah, but but you're there's a fear in you that's that's not exposed unless you experience this kind of disorder. So let's in order to figure out what the fear is to never be afraid of it again. That's the reorder. Like mm. I'm not I won't be afraid of this ever again. How am I going to get rid of the fear? By something happening to make me acknowledge it, right? Yeah. Whatever yeah, it is. Right. It can be a little thing. It can be a big thing. Um, and so it, it forces you to say, okay, wait, what am I afraid of? And then you can start to speak to the very deep things of your own heart and, and really of the human heart. So this is not just if you're a Christian person. This is for any person. This is what hurt separates us is our fear separates us from others. Fear separates us from God. Fear separates us from ourselves. So if, so if I can ask, what am I afraid of? Okay, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to afford to put gas in my car. Okay, all right. So what? So you can't, so you're never going to, you're not going to drive around anymore. Okay, then I can't go to work. Okay, well, maybe, maybe that's right. But um, just like coronavirus, like, well, I can't go to work anymore. What can I do? And it's astounding how many companies figured out, wow, we don't even need you to really ever come to work. That's right. Like, come on. Why have we been making people come to work and sit in traffic all day long? But because we would have never changed that unless something broke the system mm-hmm. and made us say, wow, what could we do if we couldn't come to work? We'll create, and this is the this is what God has for humans. We'll create a new way of doing things. And this is the yeah. reorder, right? So it forces us to think. Well, maybe, okay, so what, this is forcing me into something different. What am I afraid of in changing? And the fear is really ultimately, honestly, is that in some way I'm going to die. That's in right. In some form or fashion, I'm going to die right in there. this. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my livelihood. I'm going to lose it all. And I am going to die. Uh, that's really, that's really, and that fear, that deep, down fear people have it even if they're in very secure situations it's just they don't ever have to deal with it right they don't ever have to deal with it because they can just cope with it and ignore it but if you can get to that fear 
um, then you become absolutely free. I, I was just re I read this a long time ago, but a guy, some well-known entrepreneurial guy said, the thing that changed his life was being absolutely bankrupt for two years. Wow. That's what changed his whole life. Nothing he ever invented, created, started, changed his life. What changed his life was having no money for two years. And it so profoundly affected him that he recommends everybody spend at least two years with no money. Just mm -hmm. to see, what are you afraid of? What are you yeah. afraid of, right? Right. Can God provide for me if I have zero prospects? Because if he can, wow, we are free. Yeah. Then we yeah. work not because we need money. We work because it's who it's part of who we are. Yeah. Then yeah. It's joyful, right. Then it's joyful, and it changes the whole vocation because I'm coming here not because if I don't have this job I'm going to die, but because this is what I would do whether I was making money or not, <coughs> which would change all of education and all of police work and all of it. All of it. Yeah. All of people, it. Would you be doing this job if it was for free? How many of us would say, no, I would not be doing this for free. But what would you, what you wouldn't be sitting at home playing computer games for, because that would destroy you too. What would you, what work would you be engaged in if you were completely free? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how we get people to start talking about the truth of who they really are. Yeah. It goes into like you and I discussed so many levels, this going from understanding I'm, you know, dealing with that. I am really not going to die going into a place of understanding who I am and whose I am and that that I just got to embrace this is this, Jamie it, I was telling some folks the other day is we make up transitions we actually put different labels on transitions and it's the, the labels that we put on the transitions are fear labels that father separates us from that and we don't want to recognize that uh, and so have you been seeing that since you've been out with, with folks is people put labels, these labels on this transition and versus embracing the transition. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. Cause it's an interesting time when you're talking about it cause there's inflation and <clears throat> you know, there's the conflict in the Ukraine and all this kind of stuff is going on. So even though the world's opened up and we've actually been out internationally ourselves, which has been great, but now it's this, it's like there's always these new fears, right? These new, this constant, constant, like, oh no, that, okay, coronavirus is over, but now we have inflation and now we've got, we've got the economies not doing well and all that stuff. And so it's like we're afraid all the time. So anyway, we've kind of either got to say transition is normal and good. Yeah. Or we got to try and avoid transition all the time, which mm. is impossible. Again, it's back to, but it's impossible. That's why we're all so anxious. And it's not even really what we want. We do, we want change. We want growth. We want all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, how? that's what was interesting talking to these public school people because now they're out of COVID. What did they learn? How do we avoid going back into what we learned? So here's one thing that we always thought we wanted or believed is, that humans can basically conquer and control everything. That's what we want. That's right. Yeah. We can like take the weather, we can control it, we can take sickness, we can, can we can we're gonna figure out really how to beat every bad thing in our life. 
that's the goal. So I'm so that I'm in a place of power and control against every possible adversary. And then what we keep realizing, it can't, it's not going to happen. So so we go to you know we're going to invent medicine that, that that cures everything, and then coronavirus pops up, and we're like wow. And then we have to make a cure for that, and then it has a variant, and then we have to make a cure for that, and it's like indicative of. We're going to do everything we can to use science and technology and power and control to make the world the way we want it. Mm-hmm. And it's to take away our fear. <laughs> and what we keep learning is you it doesn't work that way. It doesn't nope. work that way. <clears throat> so instead of trying to beat what we consider an enemy, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to beat sickness. We're trying to beat um people that are our enemies are trying to overpower them instead of that doesn't work it just it just creates variants of evil that that we can't inoculate ourselves against fast enough um so then we have to separate or we can figure out how do we like reconcile the whole thing together instead yes. of being this with everything how do we like wreck so so it's interesting they were doing i think we talked about this once they were the wolves in Yellowstone were causing a problem. So they just, they removed the wolves out of Yellowstone to stop, solve the problem. <laughs> well, when they took the wolves out, too many deer came down to the sides of the streams to feed because the wolves were thinning out the deer. But now there were too many deer and they came down and they stomped down all the nutrients on the sides of the streams that the fish fed on. So the fish started to die. Mm. So our thing is like, we're just going to take the problem and get rid of it. And then it'll all be fine. But the system is, is so interconnected. You can't do that. Right. So if you go and if you go like, like another person was talking about, you know, global warming and all that stuff. And the idea is like, you just stop carbon emissions. The whole thing will get well. That's not true. It's not, it's a big interconnected system. Um, so instead of trying to beat things and control things, how do we like, the earth originally just worked together. Like it was all one reconciled <coughs> system and humanity worked with it. The word work. We worked together. We worked in unity with God and the earth and humanity. And we didn't try and beat anything or win anything. And, and when we did, we separated. So how do we, how do we, we have a chance now to figure out how do we like work together with the planet? How do we work together with other humans so that you don't have Putin saying, I need a buffer zone from NATO, right? <laughs> yeah. But that can only happen because NATO doesn't like Putin, Putin doesn't like NATO, you know, and all that. How do we come together and say, okay, let, there's enough land. Let's like work this thing together and we'll all live. If we keep separating, it just keeps producing death. So the, so the, the chaos that occurs is an opportunity to say, okay, what did we learn? Okay, now how are we going to move together not to make that same mistake again or to correct? And so when I was asking the public school teachers, were you in fact in separation and isolation before COVID? They really were already. They were already living in a separation worldview. They just didn't know it or pay attention to it until the severity of COVID happened. Oh my gosh, we hate separation. Wait a second. Everything we're doing is based on separation. So it's a chance to stop doing that. 
Right, right, right. What are we going to put in place to make commitments to reconciliation and connectedness in everything that we do? Mm. Jamie, what what it help these some of these guys are okay? They look at and I get these questions all the time. What what is exactly are you talking about separation? Because are you just talking about like I separate from people, or do you? How do I separate? What in their minds? People have made up in their minds what exactly is separation? And I may not necessarily follow Jesus, but but actually, what is separation? Because you know, in my mind, I think I'm just what you just said, isolating. I'm isolated. How do I? I'm separate. I'm isolating, but I can come. I can choose to come out of that, but. I've actually find my comfort zone in that to self-protect because I've been, I'm afraid of what's going on around me, everything around me. And this transition actually makes me so stuck that I'm actually going to be hitting away, self-protecting myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what does that mean? And when we talk about separation, as we go deeper into this and then come alive with, you can embrace this new season. Well, so separation, I mean, like if the, the, the problem I think for us is we humans are really good at not really going deep into what they're what they really truly believe about things. Like we just yes. don't do it. So, for example, you know, I could sit with your your listeners or your viewers and I could say to them, I'm pretty sure that you that when you speak, you, a lot of the times you're not telling the truth and people get upset. Like you calling me a liar. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is you're saying things that you believe to be true when in fact they are not true. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not speaking truth, not you're lying. You think you're right, but you're in fact wrong. And so it's just like, if I say, um, to a person, you know, who, I mean, I always give the example of listening to the radio when I was a cop and I just couldn't hear my number because there's too much traffic on the radio and the police cruiser back in those days. And so my training officer would say, did, did they call you? And I would say, no. And I am 100% truth telling, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you can put a polygraph and I am absolutely without any guile telling the truth. No, they didn't call me. But I am in fact wrong. They did call me. I just didn't hear it or didn't mm. aware of it. I wasn't paying attention. So when I ask a person something like, do you believe um, that your life is built on self-protection and self-promotion? They would say no. They yes. Would, right? and, they, and they're saying, no, me like I give to the poor. And, but then, and so they, they believe what they're saying is true. But the more I just ask them, well, what about this? What about this? The more they realize, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was doing with the group today. Wait a second. No, I am committed to separation in the sense of because there's not enough resources in the world, we must separate from other people or they will take what's mine. There it is right there. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so so and we learned that really really young. We learn it very, very young. I was asking these teachers, how young are kids when they realize they have to self-protect and self-promote? And they were saying three years old, four years old, they learn, they know. But they, but they're being taught that, right? So in the deepest part of myself, to do that, a human, a, 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 a real human, a true human, 
their number one most basic instinct is to connect in joyful relationship. That's what humans do. They're made, it doesn't matter what you believe, humans' deepest desire, as soon as they're born, is to connect into joyful relationship. It's their number one instinct is to connect. That's mm -hmm. the deepest part of who they are. And what and so it makes them, it makes us human. We live in community, we want to connect. Joyful relationship is our highest goal. So when a person learns, however, whatever age, that that joining together in joyful relationships is hurtful or painful or or a disadvantage, they will become separate. They'll realize, and you know, and, and this is why it's so traumatic to kids who are abused, is like their instinct is to attach to the caregiver. Yeah. Well, if the caregiver hurts them, they are in a deep existential crisis because like, oh no, attaching hurts me. Attaching to the other hurts me. And then they, and so then they form an assessment in the amygdala. Oh, I now know attaching to a caregiver produces pain mm -hmm. and nothing changes that thought ever the only thing the person can do is learn to take that captive and say no that's not true and move up further up into the brain so so what happens when a person realizes it's like like i don't like clyde he's not like me his people aren't like me and i'm gonna separate from him because he scares me Here's what's happening. I am becoming non-human. Right. When when a person decides that attaching to the other is not good, that it's more important for my own good. This is this is the word in in the scriptures. Ha ha martia. It means to not be. And so you're becoming a creature. You're not human. You're becoming an isolated, separated creature. But the first person you're separating from is your very self. That's where you're mm. separating from. Is you're separating from the truth of who you actually are, which is a human who should be and wants to be in joyful connection with both its creator and the other. So that's why the great commandment is above everything else, love God yourself and others always this is what makes you human when you right. separate from god yourself and others you become creature like and you start to do things creatures do which is just go to satisfy my own needs wants desires above everyone else so so we're descending into being not human that's how deadly this is so when we say when we say in scripture the person sinned or they're in sin, it's not they committed a moral act. It's that they've separated right there. From, from God and from themselves and then from others. Mm -hmm. And you can just listen to the person talk and you're like, and then I can just say, wow, you don't, you don't even know who you are. Right. Like, and so you're, so you're in, and this is scary to me. You're in sin not because a person who doesn't know who they are then do things to other people that you shouldn't do right 
it's it's in the you you, you got to recognize the sin. You're you're in that based off my separation. It's it's the sin right there, which we don't want to recognize, or we will justify why right. we are separate. Right. That's right. So I can I can blame you for why I'm separate from you, but really, that's why Jesus says, "Oh, is that person your enemy?" And you say, "Yeah." And they, then Jesus says, "Then you need to love them." Like he said, Jesus is saying, don't even separate from people you consider your enemy, not even them. Right. And so, but most of us have, can have figured out how to be in love with Jesus and hate our enemy. But in there reality, right there. in reality, it can't, we're not, it can't be done. And that's why we're in trouble is because we're, we're living separate, but we're claiming to be followers of God or Christians or. Yeah, so and we and we pray and we ask God to to uh, help us, and and then here's you know through this process, people are like, man, I've been praying, I've been believing God, I've got these great prophetic words, but nothing is transpiring, and I'm still in this stuck place, this transition place. Does God really care? And 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 even like like I don't know how to manure from day to day so we go into this separateness from ourselves from our family marriage identity whatever all the way deep in isolation someone asked me the great question how far can you go when you talk about isolation how far can you go into into isolation well i think we've seen it i've said it from the beginning this is the finest separation that we've seen in the world everyone is on their own team if you're not vaccinated, then you have to wear a separate mask. <laughs> if you are vaccinated, you hurrah, hurrah. And and then we don't the rest of you, we don't actually know what you're doing. And so it just produces this deep separation where families early on have actually separated from their own families in threatening to not communicate and talk. Yeah. And so it poses a whole lot of things that are going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, yeah. It just, it, it's like in, it's like in the scriptures when, you know, when a, when a country like Israel or something in the old Testament goes into exile, the exile begins inside them first. Mm -hmm. like physically go into exile as a country, unless you've been in exile internally for a long time. Right. So the exile, the separation begins internally. We exile from God and then slowly the town exiles from God and then the county exile and then the whole country exiles from God. And we can't figure out what happened. We're like, what happened? Um, and, and the Lord's like, this has been going on for many, 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 many generations. And God's patient and he's trying to wake us up. And these kinds of things happen. And, and it's like, wake up back back to like. The, the catastrophe comes, the trauma comes, the economy falls apart, we get invaded, whatever. It's the wake-up call. And we know in Scripture what happens when you wake up, turn back to God into the truth of who you are, and call out to Him, He restores. Mm -hmm. He but restores. Like, you were saying really well, but if I'm calling out to God in a false identity, God is not going to respond. He can't respond to the false me. And lots of us are praying to God in a false identity, right? In a, yes. in a 
in a lie-based sense of ourselves. And I think where you really see that in the Bible is the difference between complaining to God and lamenting to God. Jim, right? break that down, right? I mean, you're you're right there because that is where people are they're confusing with I'm praying, but versus I'm complaining and lamenting and praying from a false identity, right. and they're not seeing no results, especially if their partner is not even. And, the, and their father separated. Right. So, man, would you unpack that a little bit? That's so yeah. good. So, so if I'm so if I'm self focused, which is, and I pray out of a sense of self, um, it's it's funny because the person like we we get so deceived in this stuff that we you know again this back to you. I think I'm telling the truth, but I'm actually not. You know, this is what I'm talking about. This is the deception level is so I'm going to go to God and I'm praying from a sense of self-interest and self-focus and self-absorption and I'm telling God what's wrong you know this is called complaining <laughs> and people do it in scripture they complain to God and when you're complaining your identity is always victim a mm. victim complains a victim complains and and so if I'm just praying with the person I'm like why don't you just pray and they pray from the victim mentality, they're complaining. And God is very hard on complainers. He doesn't respond to them. And if he does, it's usually pretty harshly. So like my friend, like my friend in, in uh, Seattle said, my African-American friend, he said, we've been enslaved. We are not slaves. We've been enslaved. We are not slaves. So no right. one's denying the fact that this injustice has occurred. But I'm not taking identity out of the injustice, right? I'm not gaining, right? So when a person prays in a lament, they're saying this situation that we're in is killing us. It's hurting us. And we are in the truth of who we are calling out to you to rescue us. We're not victims. We're not victims. We are in travail. We are in pain. We are suffering and God, would you be with us in this? All, he all immediately responds to that. The God, mm -hmm. who is, the God who is with us, always with us. Because I'm praying in the truth of my man. Like, you know, the, the Jews would rip their clothes in mourning. They're in mourning. They're in lament. We, it's, we have made ourselves into this. That's what they're saying. We have left you. Mm. Plainer is like, you have left us. It's interesting when God comes to talk to Adam and Eve and he says, what, who told you this? What are you doing? And Eve says, I was deceived by the serpent. Adam says, the woman you gave me caused it. Adam is blaming God for what he's done wrong. That's complaining. That's right. Lamenting is, I, I'm the, I was deceived. We were deceived. We went the wrong way. Bring us back. Restore us. Um, and so the, that's so the true identity laments in failure, cries out in failure and in mistakes. And we confess. We tell the truth about it. But the false identity just complains that I was victimized by another. So I challenge everyone when you're praying. Are you blaming anybody? Come on. If you're blaming someone, you're you're not praying from the truth of who God made you to be. Yeah. And and Jamie, what what are some steps in in that part of 
lamenting, what would you suggest or encourage people to how to really walk through that? Because this is a different mindset. If you've been praying that way for a long time, for years, and you you can't, you know, it's like a shift. It's a paradigm shift. And so it's easy to default back to that. Just like I've seen people and you've seen people walk people through identity. And all of a sudden you see them six months ago, six months from when you seen them last and you helped them, they're right back in you thinking, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. So what would be some things that will be able to help these listeners to really step in to pin some practical applications to this? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, we, we did this again with a bunch of public officials, which was really fascinating. We did it over six weeks, but started the first week talking about just what's your sense of identity and how do you see view yourself and everything and so when i would ask them to tell me who they were they wrote what they wrote down it was very um focused on their self you know i am the i'm i'm this profession and i do this and this by the time we got to walk through all of that and we got to true identity and we we prayed through true identity when i asked them who they were it was very much about other people like their whole way they look, they didn't look at themselves. When they started talking about true identity, it was always looking out at other people. And so in the, in the first instance, I might say, well, Jamie, who are you? Well, I'm a police officer and I work these shifts and I'm married and I'm. it's all about me. When, when you go through identity, it's like, Jamie, who are you? I am one who unties the knots of other people. It, um, it, the true identity is always other focused. Right. It doesn't. It's not self-focused. So when so when the true identity is praying, it's praying, it's praying towards others, not towards like this is my predicament. This is what's happening to me. It's much more like Lord, our (coughs) country is in trouble. We. It's like us, not just Jamie needs more money. Jamie needs. It's like that. So. To, to get through that process is always confession. It's tr- it's just trying to tell the truth as you understand it about really this, what you believe about God first. What Come do you on. really believe about God? Do I, this is Gideon talking, God has forsaken us. That's what Gideon believes. That's why he's hiding. He's hiding because the God that protects him doesn't protect he forsakes. Or if, or the God's mad at him, so he's not going to help you anymore because you're not good enough and all that. And and then the angel of the Lord and the prophet say, God came and took you out of bondage. <laughs> you can get yourself out of bondage. He came and took you out of bondage. Why would he take you out of bondage and then forsake you? Right? We love him because he first loved us. He demonstrated his love to us in that while we were separate from him, he died for us. That's the truth of who God is. Most of our fear is based in the belief that God is not always for us. Come on. He is yes. Sometimes he's not. If I'm good enough, he is for me. If I'm not good, he's not for me. And it's a capricious kind of difficult so you end up thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta really kind of help myself in this stuff. So I'm always asking people, okay, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my job. I'm afraid. Okay, so what does that mean? So what is God's role in any of this? Like, what do you believe God's doing? And then you get to it. Well, I don't think He's doing a lot of anything. Boom, <laughs> right there. So then that means it's all on you. Now it's all on you. And if you believe it's all on you, you're gonna be stressed out the rest of your life. Mm. 
The so truth good. is, it's never been on you. It has never been on you. And that's where people, that is hard to believe. You have to experience it. You can't just be taught it in a book or read a story. You, you have to experience God being with you. When do you most experience him? In times of transition. That's when you most see God. All the way back to your topic. Embracing chaos, embracing pain. And then he meets us in the pain and in the suffering, in the in the disorder, and then he walks us into the reorder. That's right. That's New right. Thing. And that's what we want. But we gotta we have to experience God in the depth of our disorder. That's where we meet him. Yeah, and 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 if you guys are listening and, and some will listen down the road, I'm telling you, this process of transition, it's not going away. You're always in transition. You're always in a place of being that's right, transformed, metamorphic. You're always transforming. God is always doing something, but do not be afraid. Step in it. Pain is the invitation for transformation. So you got to step into that. And, and live in that and, and be okay, but embrace it in in your true self, not the false, because right. if, you will always stay backwards. You always stay self-protecting when God is saying, come forward, come, come forward. I'll meet you in the transition. Uh, and in that Jamie there, there's, um, there's a group of young people right now. I just met with a young man yesterday uh, who are there. The, this generation they're in such a big transition and change that they are absolutely kind of some are walking in it and some are saying, man, I, I'm just going to end it all. And so we're seeing people anxious, young people going to devices, drinking drugs, even to the ultimate suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so people are at this place of how do we stop this? Because, our kids have been so isolated from homeschool to their whole educational system has been turned upside down and embracing. So it's a phenomenal what you're doing with educators. Um, but can you speak to that? Because I know there's some listeners on there that are just got kids right now that, you know, they haven't had human interconnection. They're starting to get connection. I know for my own son, he's been home since the pandemic and trying to get him back into the swing of, community how important community is for this generation how so deeply you're wired you see throughout scripture can you can you speak to that at a little bit yeah yeah it's that you're saying it it's like get you we we have to get into community and community is not instagram that's not community you know social media (laughs) is not community um i think we all learned that in COVID, it's like, yeah, we had Zoom and all that, but it's different. It's not the same. Like, like Clyde, you know, I love being with you and I like doing this with you, but it's, it's way, you know, it's just from a human perspective, it's better to be in physical proximity of the person. You know, someone's yeah. on Zoom's like looking at a fireplace on Zoom. You, <laughs> you feel the warmth, you know, you can't feel yeah. anything. And so one of the things we have to watch out for with this, with the, this generation is that, and then with COVID on top of it, is they're replacing actual community with this, you know, social media. Yes, that's right. It's a big thing right. that we have to just battle, I think. Um, I mean, we, we see it here with our own kids and our own high school kids is, 
is providing for them and challenging them to get in community and just trying to make as much opportunity for them to be in community, explaining the, the value of community. Um, and, and again, it's back to, when you get back to identity, one identity can't do all this. It has to be multiple identities together. Um, and so, yeah, so you're exactly right. My, what I say to what I say to young people, and I've met, I've been meeting with a couple of um, high school kids that have been suicidal, and and the it's fascinating. It doesn't take very many times with them. I'm going to do it again on this weekend. It doesn't take a lot of time to, to get with them to help them understand, first of all, that what they believe about themselves is false, right? And yes. what they believe about that's the number one thing. They think something's wrong with them. Like they think I would go out and be in community, except people think I'm weird. This one kid said, I would go out and be in, I would be in the church community, except I don't like to raise my hands and sing worship music. And I said, so what? He goes, but the other kids look at me like something's wrong with me if I don't do it. Yeah. And I said, I promise you, that is not what they're doing. And so we just kept walking. And then I said, I'll go into this youth thing with you. And if you want to stand in the back, because that's the way you relate to God, I'll stand in the back with you. And so I didn't even have to. He just went in and stood in the back. He loved that it. it was great. <clears throat> and then slowly he just starts coming back into community like that. But th they need a place to go to say, this is what I believe about myself to be true. Mm -hmm. They need that place to confess, yes. to confess. And then once they're able to tell the truth about themselves, then God is able to come in and tell them the real truth about themselves, which is repent to believe the new thing. And then the form changes. But my thing is like, get out of the basement, kid, get out of the basement, That's get right. off the computer and come meet with us. Yeah. That's and right. That's right. That's what like, I did yesterday. That, yeah. you know, um, is, in, in, is, is to, to get kids out of the basement and to walk alongside them um, and walking, I'm walking with a couple of young teenagers through process of identity and just walking alongside. And it's just absolutely, the thing I love about it, and you may experience it, is that they just get it quickly. They just, once you help them understand, like what you believe is true about yourself is actually false. That's not true. Let's ask the creator what he thinks about you and how he sees you because he calls you what he calls himself. Right. I shared that with him. And he's like, I said, he said, wow, his eyes went from mm -hmm. down to like, he calls him what he calls himself. Right. That changes my mind. And right. to like, whew, I can breathe. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then to get them. So one community they're missing is the community of with, with the God who speaks to them. That's a big community they're missing. Community with God. So whatever however kids develop a view of God or no view of God, it's important that they understand that God is a God of community, mm. that God wants to be in community with you, with you, you alone. He wants to be in community with you and he wants to talk to you and he wants you to ask him questions. And so once the, the kid or the adult is realizing, wow, I can ask God questions. I can sit here and I can, I can participate in hearing God and communicating with God in whatever way they do that, that, that builds community right there. And then it That's allows, right. yeah. and, and then, then they get a right view of themselves, which allows them to start looking outward going, 
wow, where does my identity contribute out in the community? And that's where they start they start realizing my identity is actually my gift to the world. Yeah, that's good, Jamie. That gift in a basement. Yeah. Right? Wow. What they're keeping in the basement is the false identity. That's, that's what right. they're right. But yeah. once they yeah. once that's gone and they know the true, the true doesn't want to sit in a basement. It, the true identity will not sit in a basement and look at mm-hmm. pornography. Do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, one of the young people, I'm actually speaking at a youth conference, is coming up next week, and one of the common things that with this is with this generation, as we wrap this up, is how do I hear the voice of God when I feel like He's so far distant from me? And then, like this young man, I was with a couple other couple of young people when I was in Florida this past week was. I don't know how to hear God's voice. And um, and I know what you say, Clyde, the free flow of thoughts, but, but how, something is missing there. And I don't know how to, and it's new agey, sounds so new agey to dream and to imagine. And uh, so I said, you know, this would be a great time to, to all you listeners to really lean into this, to help your children, if you have kids or anybody who is going through this process. It takes a team to make the dream work. You're going to touch people, but we're not going to touch me and Jamie. But I'm telling you, you can be the agent in your true identity, helping people right now embrace transition, but hearing the voice of God. My prayer in my own life every day, when I'm in my board meeting with my best friend, walking myself through identity as well, is saying, God, I want to be an expert in hearing your voice. I want to hear your voice in deep new ways. Come to me any way you choose to come to me. I don't want to limit the way you come to me. And right. so you may do it differently. But, Jamie, unpack that real quick uh, as we land the plane and help these guys. I know a lot of them have kids and and just trying to help with them in this process. Right. It's simply it's simply listening to love itself mm. communicate to you. That is like that. I don't know how to. It's what God, yeah. how God refers to himself in Scripture. God is love. And perfect love takes away fear and without love as paul says in corinthians without love whatever you do it doesn't matter you can know everything you can submit yourself to the flames and sacrifice it doesn't matter without love and he's not saying i have the emotion of love he's saying i have the presence of love in my life god is love and so um so when when we're with kids that don't i mean if you said the word god they would leave because god to them is has been is perceived as something that's mean and hurtful and they don't want community with that but so i would just say let's just imagine just think about unconditional love communicating with you what do you think love would say about the fact that you think you're stupid what do you think love would say to you let's listen let's concentrate what would love say to you about being stupid and they can, they know right away. They know right away. Love would say that's not true. They know that. Right. And because that's what God would say. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. what God would say. <laughs> so, to just, people aren't, you know, unconditional love. It's not judging you. It loves you. It made you. We want you to learn to love love itself. We want you to learn to love love itself because when you love love itself, you will love others. And so that's how we do it. I mean, yeah, it's just so beautiful to watch people do it even people who grew up in the church you know who have a lot of 
biblical knowledge and everything, to think of God as love is very theologically correct. That's right. right? That's right. That's right. Because yeah. because Jesus or 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 peace or truth, th those are words that describe God. Um, and so that's that's just it. But love is nothing like love. We love him because he first loved us. He demonstrated his love to us. Like this is the idea. So what is love saying to you when you feel like it's not worth living? What does love say to a person who thinks it's this just isn't worth it? Love would tell you that it is worth it because you're worth it. Your identity is a gift to other people. See, it's not just about you're worth it, but you are a gift to others. Suicide is just thinking about yourself. That's right. So, it's so self-absorbed. I'm going to kill myself. God's not involved. People aren't involved. It's just the, the ultimate self-focus. So like, but if you thought one minute about other people, you wouldn't do it. That's right. That, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, you, you're so right. So that's it. Focus yeah. on love. Focus on love. Wow, focus on love. Man, guys, I'm so excited that we had this conversation, been anticipating this conversation. Jamie, I know you got a new book coming out soon. Um, I've already got my copy pre-ordered. Um, and uh, so super excited about that. And so uh, how, it, tell us about that. When's that coming out? And yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I think just an easy practice about abiding. It's called living fearless. Just what it means to abide in Christ. What are just some practical ways to to abide? And the result of abiding is what we've been talking about here. And um, yeah, it's and and it's uh, what's cool about it is it isn't something I just wrote. It was a it was a lecture that I did with a couple of hundred guys through a Saturday, and the impact it had in their lives just through one day of what of what Clyde and I are talking about here. And I know what Clyde talks about all over the place. And so um, what would it look like to live a life of, with, of not being afraid of stuff? So that's what it's mm. about. You can get it um, at our website, identityexchange.com or Amazon, I think. Yeah, Amazon. And you guys, more information about Don, uh, Jamie and Donna and their website, Identity Exchange. His book is right there. You can pre-order it. I encourage you to pre-order it. And I'm telling you that my life is in ministry um, has never been the same um, since I've gotten to be uh, mentored and, and helped um, through this process and helping others throughout the world and, and, and first responder world and ministry and businesses. And um, it's just been, 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 been life-changing um, in my own life and with others. Um, and so I know that this conversation um, uh, is very, very important to where we are today. And so, guys, get uh, go to Identity Exchange. They got a plethora of resources. Uh, his new book, um, go pre-order it. Uh, I'm anticipating reading it. You cannot get enough of understanding identity. We already, we always get, we got enough of fear already. Yeah, we got Let's that. <laughs> we got that hammered down real good. So, yeah. so yeah. So, thank you, Jamie, so much for being with us today, man. Thank you for your time and. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And it's it's a joy to be with you. So bless you so much, my friend. And and take bless care you. and God bless. All right. Take care, guys.